I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have as yet discovered. I'm a superhero. A real-life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become the hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. Oh my goodness, January is flying by. What the heck? Oh yeah, and the wind started this week. So, to combat the doldrums of winter, we have a glorious episode for you. As always, of course, we're going to nerd out. We're going to give you some action-provoking motivation. We're going to talk about Lost in Space Season 2. You know, we're just going to have fun. I was wondering if perhaps you might need the services of an experienced water boy. <laughs> That's pretty cute. How old are you, kid? 11? 12? I'm 31 years old. <laughs> Let's rock it. Welcome to the Real Brian Show. Thank you for joining us. I'm the Real Brian. Then I am Kipton Influence. Kipton Influence. So I think have yeah, you I think ever I change it to Kipton? Kipton. 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 That's a good idea. You know, every time I see Alex Trebek on Jeopardy, he's, you know, he's throwing out his Russian accents. Very nice. Captain Influence. Have you ever wanted to be a 31-year-old water boy or 40-something-year-old water boy? Has it ever just been a dream of yours since you were you a know, child? Late, late, no, but lately it has because my, my job is getting very uh, stressful and uh, oh, man. and I think it'd be I think it'd be great to be paid just to be a water boy at my age. Well, there you go. Yeah, maybe I'll retire as a water boy. So what's your local sports team that you could go and, you know, water boy for or towel boy for or, or something like that? All we have nearby are a couple of colleges, so Iowa State and Iowa. Okay. Um, okay. So I could I could water boy for them. Uh, I might go down to Kansas City, water boy for the Chiefs. There you go. It's a bit of a drive, so... Or I could go to Chicago. It's another bit of a drive. But, oh, uh, yeah, the boy Bears. The, the Bears. Bears. Yeah, Bears. Yeah. You go, uh, you they know. Actually, it. you could go and hang out with the Bulls too. But uh, yeah, it'd be fun. They could use a middle-aged water boy, I think. You know, yeah, something like that. Bears, up, bears, up, bears, up, bears, up, bears, up. Okay, you know that was one of the best things when they were talking about Coach Ditka. What was it? Coach Ditka versus Hurricane Ditka. Ditka. Who's gonna win? Oh, that's a tough one. Or was it uh, <laughs> Coach Ditka versus God in a game of golf? Those were great, man. I guess. <laughs> I'm thinking some people are like, what? What, what was that? SNL. Go back SNL. and go Look super fans. Go check it out. It's fantastic. So I may or may not still have Christmas decorations up and Christmas music still playing. I'm guessing May. <laughs> you think it's true? <laughs> That's my if I was if I was a betting man, Brian, I'd say you may still have Christmas decorations up. Yeah, the, the tree you know what? tree is lit up and everything is still on and up and who cares? Yeah. In your condo complex, yours is the only one. Yours was like the only one with decorations. It was very festive. So you know, good for you. What's funny is right after you left, a bunch of other people put them all up. And some of them still have yeah. them up and on. I appreciate it. Technically, That's- technically, our homeowners association, we've all we've got this rule. It's like 10 days after the holiday. Take your decorations down. We're a little past that. Uh, it's coming down this weekend. Dude, it has to. Dude, please tell me that after I left, as in like the Friday before Christmas, or maybe People you didn't put see Christmas them. decorations up. 
I don't know. Maybe you didn't see them. <laughs> but yes, yeah. there were more. Okay. So still on, still going. I'm, I, I'm pretty excited about it. I still just don't get how you fit that, that huge studio space in that little condo. You know, it's bigger on the inside. Think about I know, it's Harry like, Potter. It's like Doctor Who. Yeah, Doctor Who, Fantastic Beasts. You know that that suitcase? I mean, come on. It's exactly like that. That's it's fascinating. Exciting. It's fantastic. It really is. Cool. Hey, speaking of living in a condo, we love our condos. You know, I, I think I mentioned this on the show before. We did the house thing for about seven years. Just, you know, it wasn't our thing. Uh, and then, of course, actually, that was right about the time that I had ruptured my disc in my back. And so, you know, I was pretty much ordered. You're never going to mow lawns again, shovel snow again. And actually, my PT says that shoveling snow is like one of the worst possible physical things that you can do to your body, which is I'll sad bet. for those of us in the cold environments. Um, but yeah, so it was like and then Sarah kind of went, I don't want to do it all myself. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, living in a condo, we love it. We're back in the Midtown area. We love just not spending time on yard work. Some people love yeah, it and that's great. More power. Well, some do some lo- it's like therapeutic and awesome. You know, that's true. My wife really enjoyed when we had our own lawn to mow. She really loved mowing the lawn and I was like, mm. all right, you go for it. <laughs> I guess if you love it, she really liked it. Yeah. But now we that's have that fine. done for, for us by someone else. So, well, when, when I was a kid, you know, like in, I think it was pre high school, even it might've been middle school. high. I don't know, somewhere in there. You know, I mowed lawns and made money and that was my summer summer job, made some cash. I liked it back then, but I think I kind of burnt out on it and I don't know. It's just not my thing really. And I, I'm not one of those that just loves to be outdoors with the smell of grass in the nostrils, you know, it makes you sneeze. I, I don't know. <laughs> Were you ever attacked by bees, Brian? No. In fact, I've only been stung once and it was a very mild sting, thankfully. Oh, okay. So no wasps, no hornets or anything like that. No, and what's crazy is when we lived in Phoenix, you know, we had a pool, we'd swim and we'd have yellow jackets coming in and getting a drink in the pool constantly and we'd swat at them and never got stung surprisingly in that time. So that was, that was pretty lucky. We'd we'd drown them. Yeah. Yeah, we did too. (laughs) We We were terrible. So living in a condo, we're also bordered by, I mean, on one side, we're bordered by some apartments, which actually they used to be part of our condo complexes uh, like it was kind of owned by the same people and and it was like we we were in the condos and then those were apartments owned by the same group but then someone else bought them so anyway totally different apartments now and i mean they're literally right, right across the green belt but i'm going to interrupt again brian yeah. i'm sorry to everyone out there isn't it not true that condos are just apartments that someone owns like condo buildings and apartment buildings pretty much look the same to the layman don't they yeah so let me explain this because i think people they always get it confused they just say oh you say you live in an apartment well the very very big difference is that a condo you own right and you can rent out so you can be a renter of a condo yes and apartments are pure rent only you don't own them Uh, And there's a very, very big difference also in usually in the tenant population. So or tenant owner population, right? So condos, people that own them, well, they have investments in them. So they're, they're going to take care of them and they're going to usually be better neighbors because, well, you're here for a long period of time. Whereas, and granted, this is not a hundred percent of crime. I'm just saying in general apartments, on the other hand, you rent, you don't own it. So typically people don't take care of things they don't own as much. Typically, not always, but typically. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And also as a result, you tend to get a lot of turnover in apartment complexes right. than you do in condo complexes. So it is it is very different, even though people will say, oh, there's the same thing. Well, no, they're really not because of the people. And anyway, but 
that all being said, we have a, a homeowners association. They don't. Anyway, so these apartments border us and we've had a lot of problems and especially since we're kind of on one of the major circuits in town as well mm-hmm. that people for whatever reason, and it's the funniest thing, they will dump their trash in our dumpsters. They're literally, uh, they're going to drive by. They'll see these dumpsters in our condo association. And they'll think, oh, public dumpsters. I'm going to go dump my <laughs> trash. And we caught, it was so funny. We caught this one lady who was just dumping like, I mean, like lawn furniture and her poor, I mean, back porch. It was literally like, like a whole patio set. Wow. She just decided to put around the dumpster, not even in the dumpster, which you're not even supposed to dump that stuff anyway. You know, she's dumping like TVs and you're like, okay, first of all, you have to pay to get that, you know, taken care of specifically. Well, somebody caught her and got her license plate, took a picture and then, you know, called the police and said, yeah, this person drives off the street, sees this dumpster and says, oh, I'm going to dump all my crap there. And then anyway, called the police. The police find her, contact her. Well, she called and I guess she was crying to the, it's like a property management company, you know, that, that kind of oversees things. She's mm-hmm. crying saying, well, I thought it was a public dumpster. And there are signs <laughs> up that say pu- private property. And there's a big signs on the dumpsters that said for residents only no outside dumping, you know, stuff like that. It's just like, Wait a minute. How, how much it, more clear can you get? Is there such a thing as a public dumpster? Yeah, no, <laughs> that's the other I thing. I didn't think so. No. So yeah, you're just like, I mean, I guess at a park, technically those are public trash cans. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. At trash cans. Sure. But yeah. I don't think there's public dumpsters anywhere. Yeah. And I just thought, okay, first of all, how did you I think it wrong. was a public dumpster? And second of all, you're crying about it because you got caught. I don't, I just kind of funny, right? Well, <laughs> we have this problem a lot. And the sad part is, is that we are the ones that get penalized as the owners of the condos, not the people who dump their trash. Of course. So today I'm out, I'm walking Delta and I see this girl coming up and she kind of walks right by me and I, I'm not thinking anything twice because I'm just walking Delta. I'm taking care of her. And she dumps these bags of stuff in the recycle bin. And I thought, like it, it kind of like took a double take and then she walked off and I thought those don't that doesn't look like recycle it looks like trash uh. and then I'm like wait why is she walking across the green belt and so I kind of like watched her yeah I guess they call that stalking sorry I'm Not on the really. board people really. I can I can do this so I'm like where's she going well she's going over to the apartments uh, and I'm like you just came over don't and they dumped have your- their own dumpsters yeah but ours is closer <laughs> so she didn't want to walk oh, okay. you know an extra 20 feet to her dumpster uh. and I thought okay First of all, you're not allowed to do that because this is ours and we pay for this. You don't, you know, and second of all, I'm looking, I I didn't like rifle through the trash because that's disgusting. So I look a little closer. I'm like, yeah, no, that's definitely not recycling. She's dumping like bags of like, I don't know what it is. It's just trash, leftover food, something in the recycle bin. And I'm thinking, okay, now, by the way, it's overflowing now. And so, and, she, and I saw her bring over more and more. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Where is going? all this stuff coming? It was bags and bags. Like, you know, those huge white glad bags kind of thing. Trash yeah. bags full. She had filled the entire recycle. This is a full size dumpster filled the entire recycle bin up full of trash and it was overflowing. And I'm like, how, first of all, did you have that amount of trash? And second of all, what is going on? So here's the problem. And you may be thinking this like, Brian, whatever, who cares? It's trash. Here's the problem. First of all, there's health issues by dumping trash outside of the dumpsters and on the grounds around it. Think about it. Okay. It's not contained in a dumpster anymore. It's now out where you walk. It's out in the grass. This is, this is health. I mean, what if there's stuff? Cholera. 
What if there's a cholera Seriously? outbreak? Seriously. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know. <laughs> but okay, beyond that, when you put trash in recycle bins, most companies cannot and they will not go through and separate things out. Usually, if it's like, okay, look, this is all recycling, they take it and they recycle it. If they see trash in it, usually they'll just throw it all away and put it in the landfill. Even if it's one bag, they won't separate things. Now, granted, I think our company does their best to separate things most of the time. In this situation, that's all going to the landfill and all the recycling that was in the bottom of it as well. Which means, guess what? The landfills are going to get worse. And we could have recycled it, and we didn't. And then the other thing is, is that we as the owners, and actually even the tenants of the condos, get charged for all of that trash and of course all of the overage too so if anything's overflowing and around it we get charged like i don't know it's 200 or so extra per pickup per dumpster wow uh, because dude. that's what they can do right and so of course then our dude. then our hoa fees go up because we can't you know and it's amazing you know being on the board i've looked at actually how much we spend a year on basically taking care of other people's trash and it's like <laughs> It was like four or five thousand dollars. Wow! And I just even thought, even spread out. That's a lot. So it is. Yeah. Wow. So, what a butterfly effect. Yeah. So I, I just and the reason I brought this up is because one, at first I'm frustrated, but I thought you know this isn't a rant. This is just me saying. This is an example of one very small, and very selfish decision. Like this person's probably thinking, I got trash to throw away. I don't want it. I'm going to go to the trash bin that's the closest to me yeah well does she realize that it's not her property to do that i don't know maybe Good she question. does maybe she doesn't maybe she doesn't even care because she doesn't want to walk the extra 20 feet does she even realize that the white giant trash bin is recycle and that the blue one is trash probably does doesn't it have care. a green recycle sign on it oh it has multiple recycle signs all over it oh well then but she doesn't care right her little tiny decision is I don't want the trash in my home and I need to throw it away. That's it. And then she moves on with her life. But that one small and very selfish decision has, as I mentioned, had a major ripple effect on now hundreds of residents who now are going to have to pay more per year because of one small decision. It's causing our landfills to get worse, which I know you have a huge issue with. It's causing, I mentioned this, possible. I'm bigger, I'm, I'm bigger, my bigger issue is the oceans, but. Uh, well, I mean, the same thing. It's, it, it's all, it's all the earth, man. Anyway, the whole is. point is, is that it's causing greater harm to our planet because people aren't making a small decision to say, let me recycle this instead. And I'm not an environmentalist at all, but I do say, hey, let's at least do our part. All we have to do is throw away our recycle in a recycling situation and that's it. Let them recycle it. Let them turn it into something else. So anyway, what I want to do is I just want to challenge each of us to really carefully consider the small decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis. How is our decision going to impact others around us? What's the ripple effect that it might cause? Please, please consider others before making any little decision like that. You just never know. You never know what it might do. So please unleash your superhero, my friends. It really is not that hard. Because it's so easy to not even purposely unleash your super villain, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And was she doing it maliciously? No, of course not. Not at all. I mean, I, in fact, I could very much Probably tell not. that she was just totally absorbed in herself doing her own little thing. <laughs> but that's the point. Most people are not maliciously trying to hurt others. Most people hurt others right. totally inadvertently because we're just thinking about ourselves only. 
That so. makes sense, Kim. Dude, wait to see good and bad. Yes, I like. I like. Hey, speaking of seeing bad, wait, seeing good and good. There we go. You want to hear something super encouraging? Yes. You know that I've talked about nuanced chocolate on the show before. Yeah. Yeah. Long time ago. Episode 31. I interviewed Toby Gad of nuanced chocolate. So if you've never listened to episode 31, make sure to go back and listen to it. In fact, it's still today. One of the most famous and popular episodes we've done here on the show. Not to mention it'll make your mouth water and you're going to want chocolate afterwards. But we talked about nuance quite a bit over the years on and off. I mean, great people love them. So the USA Today went through and rated chocolate makers in the United States, and they are now in the top 10 of chocolate makers in the U.S., and they've also been rated the most prolific single-origin chocolate maker in the entire world now. Huh, Isn't that amazing? This little tiny yeah. shop that just says, hey, we're just going to start something in. Oh, it's so cool. So, Out of Fort Collins, Colorado. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Hmm. Booyah, guys. Congratulations, Toby and Alex. I just want to throw that one out there. I've been uh, nerding out on this idea. In fact, we've talked about this. Well, not on the show. I've talked about this with Sarah. A long time ago, we talked about the doldrums of winter in the very beginning, you know, combating this time of year. Some people have seasonal effectiveness yeah, seasonal, disorder. Yep, right. So I've looked into this before where you do like light therapy is what they call it or sun lamps, depending on how you want to. And I was looking it out and actually it was so funny. I, I kind of forgot about it and I was watching Shark Tank and it was this season and somebody got on and talked about light therapy lamps and I thought, oh yeah, I meant to look into that. Well, most of the sun lamps that I saw online were, you know, I don't know, two, 200 or so, I think on average, maybe some were cheaper. And this is company, that just for the bulb or is it for uh, a that's fixture? the whole thing? Yeah. And then I okay. think what you're supposed to do is like kind of sit under it. It's, it's kind of. I like, you know, put it in a place and go sit under it. And it just seemed a little inconvenient, a little expensive, a little large. Well, this person got on Shark Tank and said, you know, I'm doing the same thing, but it's more convenient. It's smaller. It looks nicer. They're portable and they're cheaper. So I did a little research on this and thought, okay, what makes a light therapy lamp effective? And Mayo Clinic talked about some stuff and then, you know, some other sources online. And pretty much everyone was saying two things. One is you don't want UV in these lights, even though I personally believe that we need the sun's UV for about 15 minutes a day to get the vitamin D we need. That's my personal belief. But I get that if you're you know, using an artificial sun lamp, essentially, you don't want the UV on that. So make sure that it's a, you know UV free and then make sure that it has what they call 10,000 lux, like L-U-X. And that has to do with the brightness. Uh. And then they say, you know, you want to position it a certain distance away. You want to use it for between 10 and 60 minutes a day, pretty much right when you wake up and you want it kind of to the side. So it's not like you definitely don't want to look directly in the light. That's pretty much what I learned. So I thought I'm going to get one of these lamps and they had a $10 off Shark Tank, you know, coupon. And so I'm like, I'm going to try it out. And so I got it and I used it today for the very first time. Uh, Very interesting. You know, it's just like this bright light that's just shining next to you. You know, I just kind of turned it on while I ate for about 15 minutes and supposed to start out, you know, slow. Yeah. I don't know. Slow. And I've, well, it, you sound so peppy, Brian. I think it might be working. Well, so they do say that, you know, you probably won't really notice any effects necessarily for you know, right away. It might take a few days or a couple weeks or whatever. But the idea is that you are stimulating your eyes, which of course goes to your brain and everything else that it's light when you wake up. And here's the simulation of the sun shining on you 
You do that for a little bit and then it's supposed to give you more energy and it's supposed to make you feel better and it's supposed to give you more feelings of joy. People have reported that their seasonal effectiveness disorder is better when using these things, even though it's technically not, you know, meant to treat anything. But they've said, you know, usually it works. And it also is supposed to help your circadian rhythm so that you sleep better at night. So they say. Ah, so I'm trying the, it. We'll see. Right. But but then the question is, and this kind of leads into one of your next topics is, is are sun lamps, do you think maybe they are, are a bit of a placebo effect? Possibly. Like people buy them expecting the, these these results and that maybe they have that effect really, but maybe a lot of it is just in their heads. It is possible. In fact, I could, we could argue with pretty much anything is anything a placebo effect. <laughs> anything, anything that is, is marketed as having a certain positive effect on your psyche. It could technically oh, and on be your body too. in part or, or, or your body. Yeah, yeah. It could technically be in part or in full a placebo. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it is possible. Although, you know, from long, 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 long ago, the effects of the sun have been very like proven throughout history. In fact, of course. It, and this is a weird thing too. Then, and I don't think we've talked about, we might've talked about this on the show, like a couple of years ago. I don't know, but this is something that I've always seen very interesting. We love to work, you know, a uh, 40 hour week jobs. You know, we work from eight to five. That's just the way it is. Right? Well, if you look back at history, they worked when the sun came up and they stopped when the sun went down. Right. In the For winter. Thousands of years. Yeah. Well, what are we doing in the winter? Yes. We're working past the sun. Right. So when the sun goes down, we're still working. And you wonder why people are more grouchy and irritable in the wintertime. Well, because you're not supposed to be working when the sun goes down based on history. Although granted, they didn't have artificial lighting back then. But which begs the question is, is artificial lighting good or bad? You know, we could go into it's a lot more- of things. It's more based on historical biology, really. Like, you know, yeah. uh, the human body has, has, dare I say it, evolved just with that schedule in mind. You know, wake yeah. up with the sun. Yeah. Stop working with the sunset, go to bed, you know, that type of thing. So, Although that's not me, but... No, it's not yeah. me either. <laughs> Although, you know, the thing is... Is it anyone, really? Yeah, I think some people still do that. But... I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of look at it as that there's something I, I feel like there's something profound there that we ignore in the yeah. modern world. So could a sun lamp be a placebo effect? Yeah, maybe. But I do believe but, that there is something very profoundly powerful about light and what the sun offers to us. And I even oh, talked. I know sure. I talked about this. There was a uh, every hero needs the yellow sun episode way back. And I mean, if I go out and I get my 15 minutes of sun and I get a little bit of vitamin D and all that, I usually am doing pretty well. If I don't, I start to notice a compound effect over time yeah. mentally and physically. No, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the, in the benefit of, of natural sunlight, believe me. So yeah, yeah. I, I was just being an obnoxious devil's advocate and <laughs> no, I was trying point. to segue into your, it's a good your point. next uh, topic. Would you like to uh, <laughs> go into that right now then? No, before we do, I want to mention okay. the fact we'll that my that. mom... Yeah, my mom. This is my personal story for the week. My mom, much shorter. Uh, she bought me eight prime grade New York strips for Christmas. <sighs> nice. Yeah, they're really good. I just had one of them or half of one of them last night for dinner, and uh, and I'll probably get another four to six for my birthday next month. 
So where am I going to store all this meat? We don't have a big, you know, freezer. I know they're cheap. We don't have anywhere to put it. Well, I guess we do. We could figure it out. But I'm not going to go out and get a freezer. Anyway, these steaks are severely interfering with my personal pledge to eat less red meat and eat more mm. chicken, Brian. Mm. But mm, <laughs> the solution is that I make these dozen or so steaks last an entire year and not eat them all before summer. So one per month. Hey, there you go. It's a yeah. great treat. And I'll have steak all year, just once a month. Nice. So that's awesome that, that you got those said. though. That sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's funny is I'm not a big steak eater, but I do love prime rib and yeah, Who pretty much prime, prime rib. rib. Yeah. Yeah. Just the cut is better. It is funny though. I like, I like good hamburgers. I actually, interestingly, I, I think I like lamb prime rib and a good hamburger. And that's about it when it comes to red meat. I don't really like yeah. a lot of other red meat very much, but I do like chicken and fish and not really a turkey eater. But I eat turkey a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I know every day. One thing I'm thinking about is maybe dropping down meat a little bit this just for a while and doing a little bit of a test. I, I don't oh, think yeah. I could ever become a I vegetarian because I just love meat. I don't know. It can't man. hurt. Yeah. That's let what us I was know. Thinking. Let us know what you find out. If, if you if you end up doing that test, let us obviously let everyone know what, what well, you discover. I am. It's not like an official here's what I'm doing right this second, but it's more of that <laughs> instead of saying, let's eat meat, three meat, like eggs and then, you know, meat for lunch and dinner. I'm doing like tempeh instead, which I love tempeh, by the way. That's one of oh, the yeah. alternatives that I'm absolutely a huge fan of. I don't like tofu though, so I won't go there, but yeah, I, you know, <laughs> okay, so let's try that and we'll see. Hmm. I like that though. Well, congratulations on the meat, man. Thank you. Yeah. Don't I'm be, happy. you know, you can make it a meat popsicle and then you can just, like I said, make it last for the entire year. <laughs> right now, I have seven meat popsicles in the freezer. I love it. Okay, well, we are going to talk about this whole placebo thing here in just a minute, but I want to hear about your mysterious drone experience. My mysterious drone? Okay, so everyone's, uh, probably a lot of people have heard in the news recently that there are these formations of drones in, what, rural Colorado and, like, oh. so, like, North, I think it's northeastern Colorado and southwestern Nebraska. In that area, there've been a lot of it's it's kind of a quirky story out right now that where people have multiple people have witnessed these drones flying in formation, like hovering over their houses and going across the landscape and just weird stuff. And FAA is trying to figure out who's doing it. So I thought, what 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 might be our favorite theories as to what those are? Brian, do you have any ideas? Skynet. Skynet. That's yeah, my theory. Okay. Terminators are taking over. We're all going to die. What a weird way for them to manifest though. Skynet. You know, yeah. one, of, one of my theories is maybe it's a rogue AI testing a form of mobile compound eyes because it wants to be oh, more yeah. like a flying insect. Okay. That's a little bit nicer. Yeah. That's nice. The giant or, like bee of drones. Yeah. 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 Or it's the deep state testing a method of virus dispersion. Let's oh, hope not. But man, that's scary. I don't want to go there. Or or maybe it's Elon Musk testing a new form of internet. Ooh. Hmm. Okay. Or maybe it's just some rich dude messing with people like Musk again. That's probably know. what's going on. But to be, to be honest, it's probably some classified government project. Who knows for what? That's weird, though, that it's in Colorado, Nebraska area. Well, it's in this really desolate. I mean, but yeah, it's not. It's like, okay, maybe they're doing something in, in a desolate area. You know, there's very little up in that region. Uh, you know, where, where Nebraska surrounds that top right corner of Colorado, very little goes on there, but 
at the same time, there are more desolate regions in the country to do tests in. So I, I, I'm kind of leaning towards it's some dude who has a lot of money, who's bought a lot of, who's bought a group of big drones and he's figured out how to program them. For example, yeah, uh, crop this, this last New Year's, I don't know about that, but this last New Year's, uh, I think in Shanghai, uh, the Chinese government did some kind of, or some, some governmental, somebody, I don't know who it was, did, uh, did instead of fireworks, they did these, these programmed drone displays in the sky. And it turns out later that it wasn't on New Year's Eve. They, they like had pre-recorded it or something like that. But, but apparently you, you can program drones to do all sorts of stuff in the sky now without having to, to, to control them in real time. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're just messing around with that kind of stuff. I don't know. Well, you know, I know they are trying to create drones for fighter aircraft, you know, so that they don't put pilots at risk. Well, they already got those. Yeah, but maybe they're trying to figure out a better way to do it. You know, if you're talking about flying in formation and stuff like that, maybe they're trying to figure out better strike sort of scenarios. And this is where they're doing it. I mean, who knows? It could be more military based only. Which it could be. I'd be okay know. with that. But as long as it's not some crazy, weird, like virus dispersion. Oh, my God. <laughs> that'd be scary. Maybe they're testing out like, you know, formation crop dusting. Yeah, See, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. There's no crops. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea, man. Send us your theories, people. Seriously. Uh, because if they're funny, we'll read them. And uh, Oh, yes. Yeah, and we might read them anyway. So Yeah, if they're funny, we'll definitely read them. So definitely let you know. <laughs> hey, let us know. Maybe if you've seen them, you know, like, get a couple pictures of them and, and show us what kind of formation they're in. Yeah, please. I'd like to know. Because the, the videos in, in, uh, on the internet right now, there they're, they're are only a handful. Or if, if, if only, I've only seen one, really, but... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's fabricated. I don't know. I don't know. Well, thanks for Fake sharing news. that. Sure. Wasn't it fun? Yeah, it, it was fun, man. <laughs> I think it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about this idea. In fact, I love how you transitioned it. Could sun lamps just be a placebo? Let's see. Three or, or stu- it- Yeah, as an example. Yeah. I, yeah, I I think sun lamps are probably one of the least likely things to be a placebo effect. But- oh, sure. Oh, sure. So episode 191, which was just three episodes ago, this was previous right before Christmas. I brought up this idea of the power of the mind. And, you know, I was asking the question of does what we think actually manifest itself into reality? And then last week in episode 192 talked about the whole idea of preconceptions. And, you know, if you go in with the preconception, does it already determine the outcome for you? So and in fact, in 191, I was mentioning the idea of, of nerding out on, on thought, like how thought does, how thought affects us. So I started reading the book, You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Some of you are probably familiar with him. In fact, I know people who have talked about him before as well. So anyway, it's a fascinating book so far. It's also, I mean, for some of you, this is probably a quick read for me. It's a very slow read because I'm going through it, you know, and I'm trying to absorb it. What's really funny is that, you know, he has like a 20, 30 page forward and then a 20, 30 page preface and then a 20, 30 page introduction. And then it's like, okay, now you're into the first <laughs> chapter. I'm like, dear Lord in heaven, come on. Um, anyway, I'm in the finally the first chapter it took me a while. So I want to share three brief story slash studies that they did. I'm not going to go through all of it here. I'm just going to kind of give you a reader's digest version of this, but this really fascinated me. And 
I am so beyond curious to know if this is truly possible or not, because if it is, holy crap. All right. So the first story talked about a retired shoe salesman. Again, I'm not going to go into all the details. If you want to read through this, go for it. He started to have, this was in the seventies, by the way, had difficulty swallowing, went to see a doctor and discovered that he had esophageal cancer. Mm. So pretty much they said, well, you can, you know, have surgery and we can remove the cancerous tissue and go from there. Uh, And so they did that. They basically went through, but then they said, oh, well, you know, it's probably moved down to your stomach. And then they took a scan and it showed that his liver had actually received the cancer. It had spread to his liver. Holy cow. Basically, you know, at best, you only have a few months to live is what they told him. So anyway, uh, he had a new wife, by the way, and there's a story behind that in a second. He started to get like super sick, just like really bad, almost, you know, non-responsive. So then they came back in and said, you know, what do you want? What can we do for you? Essentially, you know, because you only have a few months to live. And at the time, one of the doctors started to ask him about his life a little bit. And he shares that he had been married before and, you know, it was his first wife. They were soulmates. They had a great life. Everything was just wonderful. And then one night, um, a dam burst near their home and basically swept their house away and swept his wife away and never found her body. Holy cow. It was a horrible, horrible story. Had an awful life. Yeah. And so it goes on to say, you know, he says, I, I literally have lost everything I ever cared for. My heart and my soul were lost in the flood that night. So, you know, within six months of his first wife's death, that's when he was diagnosed with the cancer and he was dealing with mm. major depression at the time. So okay. later he met, married his second wife, you know, really liked her. And, and so basically the doctor said, well, what can I do for you? And he said, I just want to live through Christmas so that I can be with my wife and my, my new wife and family. They've been kind to me. I want to at least give them that much. And so that's pretty much okay. We'll do our best to help you live through Christmas. So it was a week after Christmas on New Year's Day, exactly one week, his new wife brings this guy back to the hospital, looked near death, essentially, and basically, they couldn't find anything wrong with him. They did blood tests. They're just like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but you look like you're near death, and then he died that night. And so they said, okay, well, we'll do it. You know, Obviously, the cancer just killed him. Well, they did an autopsy, and they couldn't find cancer anywhere. Wait, so someone told him he had cancer. Then they discovered the esophageal cancer. Then they discovered that it had spread to his liver. But then after he died, they found out, oh, wait, he didn't have cancer at all. They're finding out that the liver scan was abnormal and that it yielded a false positive result and that the scan was actually incorrect. There was no cancer to begin with. Wow. So because he thought he had cancer and because of the heartache that he had gone through, he just willed himself to die without wanting to. That is the theory. Yes. Because they literally couldn't find anything wrong with him. Wow. So they were saying that, you know, the question now is, is it possible that he died from thought alone because he believed he was dying because everybody told him he was going to die. Everyone, the doctors, his family, everybody told him and believed you have only months to live. Wow. So isn't that, that's crazy to me. So that's the first story. The second story was about this woman who was 46 years old and had suffered with severe depression since she was a teenager. So, you know, let's say around 30 years or so, like so severe that she had entertained thoughts of suicide. Uh, almost, almost actually happened and all that. So found out about this new drug trial to test a new antidepressant. And she signed up and said, I want in. 
Well, this drug trial would say, okay, for eight weeks, you're going to take the drug and we're going to hook you up to an EEG to monitor your brain activity and see basically how, and they monitor it for 45 minutes every week for eight weeks to find out how does it work? So they monitored her brain activity with the EEG and then said, okay, here are your pills and go for it. Go take the pills and we'll go from there. And so interestingly enough, oh, and by the way, there were side effects to this experimental drug, nausea. Uh, so worst side effect ever. I know. It's, so she had massive clinical depression. And like I said, close to 30 years of this. She was so excited that she was finally going to get help for this. She returned every single week for eight weeks and she'd answer questions about how she was feeling. And she would say, oh, and she'd take that EEG too. Not long after she started taking the pills, she said she began feeling dramatically better for the first time in her entire life and ironically felt nauseated, nauseated all the time. But she said, oh, but that's good news because it's a side effect, right? right? So on and on and on at the end of this eight week study, her EEG over the eight weeks were showing a significant increase in activity in the prefrontal cortex, which in depressed patients typically has very low activity, by the way. So it was continually getting increased over the eight weeks. She would say, hey, I'm doing great. I'm feeling great and I'm nauseous, but man, I'm feeling great. It was revealed. She was given a placebo. Really? She was one of half of the pay. They had 51 patients. Half of them were given the drug and half of them were given a placebo. Sugar pill. Yep, that's how they they do that a lot in those those, those, uh, trials. Yeah. And she was like, there is no way I actually got the thing because I feel better. And I was nauseous. So this is like, you definitely gave me the drug. And they're like, no, absolutely. We gave you the placebo. 100%. (laughs) So for the first time in over 30 years of battling severe clinical depression, her mind alone changed her body. In a positive and negative way. Yeah. Simultaneously. Isn't that weird? That's crazy. So anyway, on and on, she's actually, according to this, you know, dozens of years later, she's still doing really well because she changed her mind and body. So holy crap. They do go on to say this. This is just more of a, of a commentary here is talking about attitude being everything, which of course, you know, you've said that on the show. I've said this on the show, but they have actually done, oh my gosh, so many different clinical studies on this one. Okay. So first of all, Mayo Clinic published a study in 2002 that followed 447 people for more than 30 years, showing that optimists were healthier physically and mentally. Yeah, that makes sense. They, I mean, they showed that optimists had fewer problems with daily activities as a result of their physical health or their emotional state. They experienced less pain, felt more energetic, had an easier time with social activities, felt happier, calmer, and more peaceful most of the time. Then another Mayo Clinic study, 800 people they followed for 30 years, showing that optimists live longer than pessimists. And then Yale did a study with 660 people aged 50 or older for up to 23 years, discovering that those with a positive attitude about aging lived more than seven years longer than those who had a negative outlook about growing older. It showed that attitude had more of an influence on longevity than blood pressure, cholesterol levels, smoking, body weight, and or levels of exercise as well, which is crazy. That's that's great news because now yeah. I, if, if I can just get my attitude to be, uh, you know, more consistently positive, I can go nuts on all the food I want. <laughs> I mean, that's think about it. You, you hear you hear stories about about like ninety five year old women who smoke six packs a day, and I wonder if they're just super positive about life and stuff, and that's why they 
they're yeah. able to overcome, you know, their, their lungs never succumb to cancer because they're just so, they're so happy go lucky, you know? Yeah. I, you know what though? Here's the thing. I, I personally believe there's balance. You still need to take care of your body and you still need to get exercise and take care of your health. But, but I actually believe that you are correct, that your attitude will trump what you eat and how much you exercise. Or at least it'll lean you one way or the other. I, th- I think so. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. Okay. There's no, more. I think, it's, I think the, these studies prove it. So. I know there's more and I'm so excited. Okay. But I'm only going to share a couple more and then we'll be done. But like, this is something I'm like super nerding out on because it's like, Oh, oh my are, gosh, this is a good nerd out topic. Oh Go ahead. man. 866 heart patients. This was a Duke university study hmm. reported that those who routinely felt more positive emotions had a 20% greater chance of being alive 11 years later than those who habitually experienced more negative emotions. Even more striking are the results of a study of 255 medical students at the medical college of Georgia who were followed for 25 years. Those who were the most hostile had five times greater incidence of coronary heart disease. Mm. And then they were showing that uh, John Hopkins, they showed that a positive outlook may offer the strongest known protection against heart disease in adults at risk due to family history. So they're saying that having the right attitude can work as well as, or better. This, this goes to your point. Then eating the proper diet, getting the right amount of exercise and maintaining the ideal body weight. So wow. there you go. I mean, so, I'm still reading. This is like, I'm not even hardly into the book yet. And that's just what I'm already finding into this book. And I'm just, I am so fascinated by this because if we can control our minds and have positive outlooks, that's why, you know, people say, well, Brian, I like your show because it's positive. Yeah, you're dang right. It is because this is why. <laughs> This is why it's so important. There's so much negativity out there. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like we have to be positive because we will live longer and we will live healthier. So two things then, Brian, first of all, what this tells me is that mother nature is trying to get rid of all the negative Nancy's out there. (laughs) Number two, it also tells me that you should have given that girl who is dumping trash in your dumpsters a big hug. Well, I didn't know her. That might've been a little creepy and her hands were dirty. So no. All right. Yeah. All right. I just walk but up and be like, does somebody need a hug? <laughs> She'd be like, um, <laughs> that's our dumpster. Do I don't you need a, hug? I don't know you be like, come here, give me a hug. No, get away from me. <laughs> that would have been, and awkward. then ironically, she would call the cops on you. Wouldn't that be ironic? This guy's assaulting wow. me. I'm like, I was just trying to get a be, hug. That would be a scenario worthy of an Alanis Morissette song, Brian. I'm sorry. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think it's like, Ray? Oh no, no, no. Oh no. I didn't, I didn't need you to go there. I just, I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, Alanis. Mm. So I'm going to actually share this very super briefly because this touches on what I just said about positivity versus negativity. Um, I had some, first of all, fantastic conversations caught up with some people I haven't caught up with. That's the interesting thing about Christmas. I've mentioned this before that people come out of the woodwork. Hey, haven't seen you in a year or 10 years or whatever. Let's get together. So, you know, I caught up with multiple people. In fact, uh, also got to see Caffeinatrix, you know, as well. So oh, just throwing that How's out. She she's, doing? she's doing very well. She's at school out in Savannah and oh, having yeah. fun. So, yeah. So anyway, just wanted to report back in on that. But yeah, I mean, I had some great conversations. And what was really interesting was when you're starting to catch up with people, you know, it's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a few years. And some conversations kind of move towards the past. You remember when this happened, when we were all hanging out yeah. and what I was yeah. really surprised by 
But interestingly enough, I didn't realize this until after the conversations were over, like in the middle of the conversations, I'm just having a great time and doing my thing. Then after the conversations, I'm like, why am I so stressed? And why do I have so much anxiety? Hmm. And I'm like, like those were fun. I really enjoyed seeing those people, but oh my gosh, like I'm breathing like rapidly and short breaths and I feel like just super anxious. Well, it came to me and then, you know, Sarah and I were talking and just kind of like, yeah, I was a conversations into this. And I said, but I'm feeling anxious. And anyway, we had this really good realization that it was like, because we talked about the past rather than the present or the future, the past can, by the way, create stress and anxiety. In fact, we're doing, we're reading about some studies on that, that going back to the past, I mean, if it was good times, that's totally different, but right. these weren't exactly good times. These were more like, Wait, oh so yeah. You were reminiscing with these people about bad ne- times. Negative things. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and more out of like, we were processing Ryan. through it because, you know, they had gone through it. I had gone through it and it was more of like, yeah, you know, we, yeah, that was tough. And you know, right. how did you Trying handle that? Catharsis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, because you know, like we all kind of split paths and it was like, what happened? You know what I mean? Uh, how yeah. did you deal with this? And it, so in some ways it was almost like, you know, therapy in, in a good way. Um, yeah, okay. But in another way, of- it actually brought back a lot of stress and anxiety, which was really weird. Mm. So nothing against the conversations. Like I said, it was truly great to see these people and I really enjoyed the conversations, but I was so surprised by how much of an actual physical effect the past focus versus present focus and even talking about the negativity, even if it was to process through it actually manifested itself in my body as stress and anxiety. And I was just like, dang son. So, you know, we gotta, we have just got to focus on, on present and future learn from the past, focus on the present, man, and focus, and focus on, on the good thing. Yes. And this is what we were asking last week, you know, with, with the politics and the religion and the, that conversation where it was like, whoa, should we really go there? But it's like, okay, not everybody's happy with what's going on in our government, but is there anything good going on? And can we look at anything that's good? And can we just focus on that? Same kind of thing with anything negative that happens. Is there anything that we can say, what, what's happening? That's actually good. And can we focus on that and focus on the positive stuff? Will it change our brains? I believe yes. Will it therefore then change our bodies? I also believe yes. So therefore, will we become healthier, happier? Will we feel better? Maybe we won't even get sick as much. Right. Oh my gosh. I think there's there's definitely something to it. This isn't just frou-frou, goofy, new age stuff at all. I mean, these very, very prestigious scientific institutions, medical institutions did these studies, lots of them, lots of different institutions, and just talk about peer review. I mean, Mm -hmm. just repeatable uh, results over the course of decades. There is obviously something to it. So yeah, take it, take it as you will. Basically it can't hurt. Well, I hope (laughs) that each of us, I mean, I'm sharing it. I'm nerding out about it. I'm excited about it, but I hope as you're listening to that, you're, and not only inspired, but that you're motivated. In fact, I came up with this phrase and I even said it at the very beginning of the show, action provoking motivation. I've talked about thought provoking a lot. In fact, I've had a lot of people say, I love thought provoking content. And Mm -hmm. I've realized something just recently is that thought provoking is never enough because what does that do? Well, it provokes your thought. Great. And that's it. So a lot of us can be mentally and emotionally stimulated, but do we ever take action? And I think that's the key is that are we provoking action? Thoughts great, but action is, is essential. So I'm going to start calling it action provoking motivation 
And I hope that you were motivated to take action. I hope yeah. I really do. Me too. Okay. Lost in space. I got to talk about season two. Oh yeah. Let's, oh my gosh. Let's briefly mention this, shall we? Yeah. So you've watched two episodes. Is that correct? I've only two episodes in, but wow. Really, really good. At least yeah. as good as season one, dude. Oh yeah. Just lots of how the hell are they going to get out of this one situations? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just written really well. So, but you've seen more of it. So I'd like you to elaborate. I've watched through episode six. Yeah, I'm so hooked. Oh my gosh. So it was really funny because on IMDb, the reviews of the first three episodes were decent. You know, I think it was like 7.5 out of 10, which is good, that's, by the way. That's Star Wars right there. It's 7.5 or so on IMDb. So keep going. Yeah. So I see that as as good, but it's not great. And I'm like, um, guys, these episodes were amazing. Yeah. Incredible. These deserve to be easily in the nine. If which, not high eight. Yeah. Yet again, forever and forever, that just uh, yet again proves that you just cannot go by no. reviews. No, which which is which is unfortunate. But I mean, because it's I really want reviews to have to be more, you know, consistently on the mark with something. Even though that's such a dumb thing to say, because like we've talked about many times, it's all subjective, yep. right? But how could anyone see this season of Lost in Space as mediocre oh my gosh it's just not no it's just darn i mean even if you don't like that sort of thing that's perfectly fine i mean not everybody likes science fiction but sure but if you're into science fiction and you're into adventure and you in any way enjoyed the first season holy cow season two is just it's there man you want to know so let me let me share what i think is amazing about this by the way first of all great a great continuation of the story I think it's significantly better than season one. And I liked season one. Like I would have given season one in the eight out of 10 range. I would give this easily in the nine something out of 10 range easily. Cool. This is what I like about it. And again, this is subjective, but this is, I'm telling you what I like. The music's incredible. The cinematography is amazing. The CGI is awesome. You cannot tell that it's CGI. It's amazing. The acting, the choice of actors, the story is phenomenal. By the way, the Mm -hmm. action, the drama, the heart tugging moments. It's clean. It has family values in it and it has strong women in it. There's no agendas. I mean, like it's the freaking perfect show in my opinion. Now, granted, is it perfect? No, but I'm saying like all of those things that I just mentioned, this is how stories should be written. I don't care what the story is, you know, pick your story. I don't care. But this to me is like, this is perfect as far as the elements that they've put into it and how, how well they've done now. Is it the best music ever? No, but it's really well done. You know, is the acting the best ever? No, but it's phenomenal. It's not, you know, some of the Mandalorian acting that we talked about. <laughs> it's, it's much better. The heart tugging moments. Like I don't cry, but I got a little teared up in about five Aww. moments so far on this show on this. Aww, Brian. No, but they're good. It's incredible. I'm like, Oh my gosh. So, so, so good. Anyway, I'm, I'm just blown away by it. And believe me, when I went into the Mandalorian, like I had the same amount of enthusiasm and I found my mind wandering a little bit with the Mandalorian and my mind mm-hmm. is not wandering at all with lost in space. Like 40 minutes is done. And I'm like, wait, I thought it was just 10 minutes ago. It's crazy. Yeah, let's just face it. Mandalorian had just inarguably some bad acting in some of the episodes bad, like with a yeah. capital B. Yeah. And storytelling, and that's, which is inexcusable for that, that franchise, but whatever. But yeah, the, the, none of that with, with Lost in Space, at least the, the episodes I've seen. So yeah. Well, and I went into Lost in Space with 
the idea that, hey, I liked the first season, but it's been long enough that I don't really remember everything that was going on. So I kind of went sure. in like, hey, I'm looking forward to it. It's great. We'll see what happens. I wasn't like, oh, this is going to be amazing or oh, this is going to suck. And I've been so blown away by how well it's done. But again, like I said, well, that's that's subjective. You may not feel the same way, but I'm telling you my opinions on it. So if you like things that I like that I just mentioned, I'm pretty sure you're going to like the show. And here's the cool part. I think that the way that they're doing the show, by the way, could easily go for multiple seasons. So, for example, take the show 24. Remember that Jack Bauer? Oh, yeah. Good show, by the way. Oh, it was yeah. amazing. And they would take 24 hours and they would create an entire season around. It was so good. One hour per episode. They've done something in a slightly similar form in the sense of that, you know, the first season took place. They get lost in space and then seven months has passed since season one. And now all of a sudden we're in season two and I like how they did it. Well, you know, nothing's happened. It's just been kind of, you know, status quo. We've just been kind of doing our thing. Well, now the adventure happens. Surviving. Because, They've been surviving. Yeah. The adventure happens now because we're watching the show now, but season two so far has taken place over a period of days and it's really, really, really well done. So I think yeah. if they continue to do it like that, like they take a small part in their journey, make a season out of it and then months later do the same thing. I mean, they could go on for multiple seasons. And it will oh, yeah. just be and I fantastic. Hope that if they keep this up, if they keep this level of product up, I really hope they do go multiple seasons. And I think that if, you know, if, if it continues to be popular, then they'll keep going. So yeah, absolutely. I, I give, I give this show, I'm guessing it'll go four or five seasons. I sure hope so. Before they, before they kill it. So, you know, I was bummed hey, that it had been two years, but at the same time, right. I'm glad they took their time and got it right and didn't push it out quickly. Fair enough. And this show just goes to show that Hollywood and like Game of Thrones as well, at least for the most part, it shows what Hollywood can do if they want to. Mm -hmm. If you have the right people behind a show, no matter what the genre, it shows what Hollywood is capable of. And that's encouraging. Yeah. So, oh, you know what I forgot to mention was the character development. You actually really get to know the characters and you, the robot, you actually feel for the robot. Once again, it's an inanimate object that they've turned into an incredible character. So, yeah, that's tough to do, man. Good job, guys. Good job. Good job, guys. All right. Last thing we'll talk about really briefly is the Witcher. There's a lot of people talking about it. We briefly touched. Well, actually, we talked about it quite a bit last week, but I finally got through episode four and I just wanted to touch on one thing about the Witcher. Right. I mentioned everything else last week. So if you want to hear our thoughts, go listen to that. But the one thing that I'm needing to talk about is that I'm, I'm completely confused now And I think I might've mentioned it a little bit last week. Like they're kind of going around, but I hadn't finished episode. I don't even, I hadn't finished episode three and I hadn't watched episode four yet. So I did. I don't know what's going on, man. Um, They're jumping (laughs) all over the place with timelines. And here's the thing. And this is what's weird about it is that it's okay. Take an episode. And in the beginning of the episode, here's a character in this year, but you don't know what year that is, by the way, because they don't tell you. And then they switch to a scene with a different character and it's in a completely different year. Could be 30 years later, by the way. Yes. And they don't tell you that. And you're kind of like, okay, this is going on. And then it goes back to the other character that's in a completely different time. And then it goes to a different character who's in another time. And so episode four, it was like, it was, it started off 30 years later and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. What What just happened? happened? And then all of a sudden (laughs) your decades prior, it was actually taking place before the events of episode one, but they don't tell you this stuff. And so I'm watching these four episodes and I'm going, what is going on here? Like I'm, I'm really confused as to 
why is this person dead and now she's alive and yeah what does the witcher have to do with any of this stuff and you know so, what about this granddaughter oh wait now we're talking about the daughter and oh wait she's pregnant and wait what what is going on yeah. i'm it's so really lost, bad dude. it's it's really i mean the, the the show as good as it is is really bad about that horrible in fact i i'm through episode four as well and that was the weirdest single episode of that show I mean, it was just darn, it was just out there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but our friend, we were talking about this, this problem with our, with our friend Furio. He mentioned that by the time you get through the first season, at the very end of the first season, they all tie it to, they tie it all together and you're less confused. So, okay. but the fact that they allow you to be as confused as you are, and there's no getting around it. No, I don't, I mean, maybe some genius out there is going, oh yeah, I get what they're doing here. They, they don't prompt you like we're all used to seeing 30 years earlier or, Four years later, stuff like, I mean, just stuff, timeline prompts that you just expect to see when stuff like that happens. They don't, they don't do it at all. There aren't, there aren't even contextual clues, no. except that someone's alive now who you just saw get killed in the previous episode. Yeah. The, the way they're doing it is really unorthodox. And, I, and I'm a little put off by it, to be honest. In fact, I, I, after I finished episode four, like a week ago, I haven't been motivated to keep watching it, even though I know Neither I'm going I. to. I haven't either. Yeah, so it's yeah. like it's like so. Why are they shooting themselves in the foot like this? I I can't yeah. wait to. Part of me wants to finish the series just to see what Furio said and, and to see how they tie it together, because they're really. I mean, it's not Mandalorian frustrating. It's it's a different kind of frustrating. It's like this is a really cool show. Why are they doing this to us? Yeah. So, you know, and another thing is I actually don't mind because, you know, as, as a document Brown would say, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. I love when people <laughs> jump around in timelines and in stories. I actually like that, sure. but I like to know what's going on. So when it says, Hey, you know, 30 years later, okay, cool. I, I know that now. And or you know, present day, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, prior to present day or something like that. I don't mind that if I, Any if clue. I know what's going on, but What's weird is that you're watching the scenes and then you go to the next scene and then it's not till like three quarters of the episode that you're like, wait a minute, wait, are, are we in a different timeline now? I'm really like, you know, you don't yeah. even realize it when it happens, which I think is detrimental to the story because you think you're watching something and like, I, it was weird because, you know, I, I mean, this is a spoiler, but you see the queen, you see her die and then, you know, then she's alive and I'm like, wait, so she didn't die then? And you didn't yeah, realize it that it was, first a, episode, folks. it was a, it's okay. Yeah. It's, and it really isn't that much of a big <laughs> deal. Actually, it doesn't spoil much, but you know, then she's alive in the fourth episode and I'm thinking, wait, yeah, so she it, never really she died. Not, did she not die? That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw the daughter and I thought, okay, well maybe the kingdom just kind of resurrected and it's 30 years later and she's fine. And, but I'm like, well, she kind of looks younger and then where's the granddaughter? I'm like, what, what is going on? And then, yeah, yeah. you really don't even, and honestly, even at the end of episode four, I still don't know where they're going with it, what they're doing and how it's all tying together yet. So oh, it's, especially with episode four, that that's the episode that made me realize, wait, I really don't know what's going on after all. And so, I actually went back and tried to watch a little bit of each episode. Still didn't make any sense. I went online and did some research. Yeah. And I, well, but that's the thing I went back and I did some online research still didn't make any sense. So yeah. you're right. Maybe finishing the series and seeing what actually happens might tie it together. And in, in some way, maybe it's a brand new genius way of telling stories that no one's done before. And that's what they're trying to do. I hope not because it's, so to me, it seems, it seems a little pretentious. It's almost like they, they, they're, they're trying in this hustle and bustle world 
to get people to rewatch the series over and over. Like people are ever going to do that. There's oh, so much to do. watch out there. Some do. Yeah, some people. Yeah, okay, a few are, but your average your average viewer isn't is going to get is more likely to just get frustrated and drop the series than to rewatch several episodes and try and figure it out. Yeah. So when we finish the series, we're not going to do episode by episode like we were with Mandalorian, but when we yep. finish the series, we'll definitely come back to this and, and give our thoughts on it. So you and I both follow stories very well where stories don't get us lost typically. Not so really. this is kind of an extreme case because yeah, like interstellar, I predicted the movie in the first 10 minutes. It was obvious <laughs> what was going to happen. And most of the people that I went with were like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And those were sci-fi fans too. And I was like, yeah, I, I totally saw that coming. That good for you. I, I didn't, but that's yeah, in but, full disclosure. <laughs> no, see there and you're a sci-fi fan too. So my point is, is like, I really feel like you and I and others that I, I watch, you know, stuff with tend to have a fairly good grasp on stories and movies and TV shows and books and that kind of thing too. And this was one that uh, is just eluded us. So that's now granted we're not perfect. So maybe, maybe we're the idiots. I don't know, but you're right. We'll we'll report on it after we're done and we'll see what happens. Yep. Well, there you go. So anyway, um, another happy January winter day to all of you. And, and I, well, some of you, I think it, isn't it like in other parts of the world, like if you're in Australia, New Zealand, isn't it summer right now? Yeah, but they're having a horrible summer this year. Are, Holy oh, cow. Man. My heart goes out to Australia. Holy cow. Southeastern Australia is an inferno right now. Oh man. See, and we've got like some of the most moisture we've gotten in years. So it's just, man, things, things yeah. cycle. Crazy. But you were saying, <laughs> well, anyway, uh, for us, it's a happy winter day for those of you in the other parts of the world. Happy summer day or whatever season. I, I don't really understand how that happy all works day. to be honest. I need to look into that more. <laughs> Does the toilet really flush the opposite direction in the southern hemisphere? Oh, that's a, I want to know that. For those I feel of like you, some people have said it does and other people, have, I, I feel like they might be Ouija boarding me on that and like faking me out. I don't know. So here's what we got to do. Flush an empty toilet. I, I'm going to just put that out there. Take a video. Uh, use it first and then flush it. Take a video. <laughs> Make sure either number one or a solid number two. Take a video. No. Of it and let's see which way it goes. Ugh. By the way, those videos are already on YouTube. So, but, but just pretend they're not and send it to us. I'm saying take an empty clean toilet. Take a video of you flushing your toilet in the southern hemisphere. Send it to us and we'll take a video of us flushing a clean, empty toilet in the northern hemisphere and we'll see if it goes the same way or not. You're sick. Man. And don't and don't flip the video on us and don't be jerks. You're sick. Deep thoughts with Captain Influence. I think that my next pet should be an earthworm. That way, if I take it for a walk and someone accidentally steps on it, I can yell, you stepped on my worm. And we would both experience an awkward moment for totally different reasons. Well, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Realbryanshow.com is where, you know, everything is. Contact us. Get in touch. You can go to realbryanshow.com slash 194 for the show notes and all of those good things. And uh, yeah, let's have positive thoughts. Let's see how much our minds influence not only our bodies, but our entire life. Mm, you know, I'm yes. pretty sure this show is extending my life, Brian. I love it. That's, that dude, yeah. if that's, wouldn't that be amazing? Is if this show extended people's lives and happiness? And how would they ever know? That's the question. Well, we'd know. <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> oh, and by the way, you know what the music means. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. But also, please remember that one small decision can have a major ripple effect on others. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, by the way. If you've experienced that placebo or if you've seen that decision that ripples out, love to hear your thoughts. Also love to hear your thoughts on our Star Wars episode. Did you like that as a standalone? Either way, though, thanks for listening. Have a glorious week. The Real Brian Show is signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.